Welcome to all the internet people out there. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents again, and a video version. And I'm Peter Karutz, and this is Sean Mueller. Hello. Greetings. And we are going to be talking, and I say we, Sean is going to be talking about spiritual works of mercy? Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Well, now I know what the program's about. Well, we're confirmed in, and a little memory aid, our battle, world of the flesh and the devil, power tools. Spe power tools. Spiritual Gifts. Gifts and power tools. The power tools of the gifts. Tune in. <laughs> Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, I guess that's my cue. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I am your host today, Peter Karutz, and I'm glad to be back here in the country after being away for about two weeks. And we're here live in studio with Sean Miller. Hello. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. That was a quick hello for a really, really good topic. The name of our program today is Spiritual Gifts with a little bit of an acronym, which you always have, mm -hmm. and that is what? Well, it's KFCW Puff. It's a memory no, aid. No, 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 no. We're going to be speaking about uh, KFCW Puff. I can is, remember that. Which is going to be a symbol for the gifts of the Spirit. You know, yeah. knowledge, counsel, fortitude, piety, wisdom, etc. We'll get into that. But this is really kind of like a two-part series on the spiritual gifts. We're going to be speaking about uh, not only the spiritual gifts given to us at confirmation, um, but also the charisms. But really, it starts off because we're in the season of, of Lent. <clears throat> and what's Lent about? It's about... Really, baptism and what happened at our baptism, we're preparing for it. I'm preparing folks in RCA for baptism. We're all preparing to renew our promises for baptism. So what is that all about? So that's going to be kind of the main theme of today is about understanding what our baptism is, what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, what they do for us, how we can kind of call them these power tools. Yeah, power tools. All right, now we're going to be talking about gifts and power tools. I think I'm in. So, <laughs> and, and since I am in and I am back and I haven't forgotten everything, we're supposed to start with a prayer, and you're the man. Well, let's do it. Yeah, right. so um, I was just thinking, in the, as we're going to be speaking about the Holy Spirit, that's where the main thing I want to point out is that everything we're discussing today, really it's centered in, in, in the Holy Spirit. You know, Luke chapter 11, Jesus said that great line, what father among you would hand his son a snake when he asked for a fish? If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So That's this is right. something that we should be doing every day. I mean, I always think to myself, how many of us wake up saying, come Holy Spirit, you know, empower, enlighten me this day to be your instrument in this world, to live and adventure a life in the Spirit. So let's Let's do that now to call upon him, shall Here we? Here we go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and fan into flame your gifts, gifts to overcome our fears, gifts of power and love and self-control. Breathe in us, Holy Spirit. Act in us, O Holy Spirit. Draw our hearts, O Holy Spirit. Strengthen us, O Holy Spirit. Guard us, O Holy Spirit, especially in this conversation. 
Bless us. Bless our time together. Bless all who will hear these words, present or in the future. We thank you in advance, and we, and we ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, so you, you are always good about not only bringing us a lot of good material, something we can walk away with, but a good way to remember it. You yeah. have the memory aids, right? The and memory this aids. one is more of a just a series of letters that seem to make a lot of sense and <laughs> help us bind it all together. Well, I'll be speaking about what the letters mean. So it's a way, when you think about this, like if you've taught confirmation, I mean, this is really going to be a talk for those who do teach confirmation or those who are learning, just about understanding, okay, when I am confirmed, they talk about these gifts. What are they for? What do they mean? So we'll get into that. But I first want to kind of set the stage by talking about, you know, the season of Lent at its heart is about baptism. And so, again, we're preparing folks for baptism. And then we're all preparing to renew our vows for what we profess at our baptism. And then it's good to start to say, well, when the Lord was baptized, that really sets the stage for what our baptism means. So recall when he was out in the desert, he goes to the Jordan, the lowest place on earth, kind of as a sign for where man, Humpty Dumpty, had a great fall. We're kind of at this low point of, of, of earth in this desert. Jesus goes, and what happens? Well, the Spirit descends upon him, and it really strengthens him to face the trial. So look, it's almost like he is anointed by the Spirit at that time to do what? To go out into the desert to, to do battle. Right. And so what we're going to be speaking about here is that we're in a spiritual battle. That's what really Lent is. When we're going out in the desert with the Lord, we're doing battle, and every one of us has a battle or a storm that we're in right now in some way, shape, or form with a coworker, with my own flesh, with my own sin, with my own whatever, I have to be doing battle. So I'm going to be speaking about the three main battles that we're in, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But be before we get into that, I just want to kind of mention a little footnote here, a side note, is that it's interesting when you think about when the Spirit descended upon the Lord and his baptism. It was in the form of a dove. Right. Now, we all have our understanding about, well, why does Christian iconography use the symbol of a, of a dove there? Well, we think about going back to Noah and the flood, and the, and the dove comes there, and then now when the dove descends upon our Lord. And there's other reasons we can give, but really, in the ancient world, the dove was a symbol of love. Huh. So, uh, you know, we use a heart, Valentine's right. Day, right? Yeah. You know, in the Song of Solomon, he said, my love, my dove, my perfect one. So it was a symbol for love. And it makes sense, right, is that the Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. That's the love poured into our hearts. So when the Lord goes out and is baptized, he goes in the desert. <clears throat> he's inflamed with the fire of God's love because, you know, as the old song is, love is a battlefield. That's right. You know, and so if you're going to go do battle, you've got the fire of God's love within you. But then you also have to have these, you know, weapons, right? If you're going to do do fighting, you think about now with this war that we're in, you know, what they were hearing about all the time with Russia, Ukraine, we're always talking about sending them more weapons to do fighting. Well, in the spiritual realm, we've got weapons there too. So I want to speak about is that the main weapon is love, but it's going to be broken down in these other gifts as too. So I, I want to just say this, you know, like my dad always jokes when he hears all these televangelists or homilies for the last 20 years, it's always what? It's Love, love, love and forgive, love and forgive, love and forgive, which can almost add like a layer of guilt onto the person saying, well, okay, what does it mean to love and forgive my enemies? Like, do I just kind of look the other way, act like, all right, you stole from me, but I love you, so no big deal, go in peace, take my goods, whatever. I think we got to kind of clarify again what love truly is, that it's not just this warm, fuzzy feeling affection, like I love my dog, I love my pizza, you know, like if you think about it, you know, love is almost equated with niceness. 
you know. But in in the real Christian sense, um, you know, love is to will the good of the other. You think about the Lord and what love is. Love is the willingness to sacrifice yourself for the happiness of someone else. Self-giving. Yeah, so it's not just a warm fuzzy. But how am I supposed to have a warm fuzzy for enemies? For someone who rapes or kills or cheats or steals, right? I can love them by willing their good, right. which might be jail time for the sense of conversion. But to think I got to say, well, I just got to have this kind of this milk toast uh, feeling of warm fuzzy. That's not there. So like 1 Corinthians 13, we get that whole definition of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. But love rejoices in the truth, not in wrongdoing. It does not enable bad behavior. So I just want to kind of clarify that was when the Lord is is doing battle for love. It's not just like, oh, hi, Satan in the desert here. I, I hope that we can get along and that. We no, no, no. You know, it's, it's not there. It's, and it's, and you're saying it too. You know, you're talking about a battle. Can you imagine going into battle with the best weapons in the world and blindfolded? Yeah. You, you need to look face to face, right in the eye, with who and what you are battling. Yeah. If you're not honest about it, if you pretend it's not there, can you imagine going to, into battle and pretending that the enemy is not there? Yeah. You're destined for failure. You need to look it straight in the eye. Yeah, so that's one of the great tools of any strategy in war. you got to know your enemy. So, again, here's what the Lord faced uh, when he went into the desert. The, the three traditional you know, battleground enemies we're facing is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you can kind of see that in the temptation with the Lord in the desert. First of all, the flesh. I mean, the Lord has been fasting for 40 days, so he's obviously hungry, so he's going to be tempted by Satan in, in, in that realm. The world, you know, he's brought up high and tempted with the power and glory of having all the kingdoms of the world if he just worships the evil one. And then, of course, you got the devil himself who's like using language of pride and of lies. Throw yourself off the temple here. And the unfallen angels, they will come to save you. So he's really using the flesh, the world, his own lies to try and get the Lord to do something that is going to take him off course, which is what we all have to kind of face in our own day. I mean, Paul says it in Ephesians. Uh, he kind of lays out these three. He says, you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, and then living in the passions of your flesh. So the world, the flesh, the devil. Now think about that, and I'll unpack that more, but... Later on, Paul speaks about, so this was Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 6, we've got this, you know, some of the battle gear that we're up to take into the desert. You know, you think about, again, if you're going out to fight, what are your weaponry? What are your battle gear? So Paul speaks about this armor of, of God. And, and really, if you've never read Ephesians 6, it's good to kind of review that because um, we do have these tools at our disposal. He speaks about the belt of truth, breast, breastplate of righteousness, um, Shoes that will make your feet ready for the gospel of peace. Shield of faith, helmet of salvation. So all these really great things to think about. From head to toe, I'm meant to be clothed in power because my battle isn't just against me, myself, and I. It's against the you know powers of the air, the evil forces, the forces of darkness. So i got to battle the world and its spirit, my own fallen spirit, and the fallen angels. So that's why we're talking about these uh, gifts of the Spirit and being clothed in this armor, which is the KFC W Puff, knowledge, fortitude, counsel, wisdom, piety, understanding, and fear of the Lord. So that is what the bishop prays for at everybody's confirmation, that you're clothed in these spiritual gifts. And again, they battle the, I, I say KFC W Puff because think about KFC, 
you know, you might think about Knights of Columbus there, but we also might refer to the the chicken place. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Actually, I watched a, a Colonel Sanders interview last night from way back when, who he he basically accepted Christ in his life when he was around 75, 77. Is that old. right? Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting story. KFC is a good a good one. <laughs> I was in Japan in Tokyo in nineteen, just before pandemic. And uh, was near the Christmas season. Do you know what the traditional Japanese meal is on Christmas? It's KFC. <laughs> so Christmas is uh, eat, KFC is eat, is way kind of getting into the mix here. Yeah, I, I say KFC because I think when it comes down to we're all quote Kentucky Fried Chickens, we're very scared <laughs> of things. But I'll explain that in a second. I one of first just about being clothed in the spirit and confirmation. I just got a little story here, so. There was a group of confirmation candidates who were asked to write a final essay answering the question, why did God become man? For weeks, one student poured over the catechism, studied all the relevant texts in the Bible, and then in a scramble to get all his ideas on paper, he laid out what he thought was the most inspired thing he ever wrote. The only problem was, in his frenzy to get it done and hand it in, he forgot to do a spell check. Oops. When it came time for the grades and the papers were handed back, all he could see was red corrections all over his paper. He was getting nervous. We all know what that's like, right? I do. So amongst all the reasons as to why God became man, the one that he wrote most about was that Christ came to take away the guilt of our sin. The only problem was that every time he wrote the word guilt, he spelled the word quilt. So over and over he wrote, Christ came to take away our quilt. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Now Grandma would like this story. She was a quilter. So every time the word quilt was used, there was a big red box circling it. Well, the young man thought this most inspirational paper was doomed, all this hard work in vain. Seeing page after page of red, lo and behold, he was afraid to get to the last page to see the grade. But to his surprise, he saw his grade was a big circled A. Wow. Below it, the teacher, who was usually hard on spelling errors, wrote with a smiley face just one comment. Yes, it is true Christ came to take away our quilt, but not before he promised to send us the comforter. <laughs> oh, is that good? <laughs> All right. Well, I say that if you didn't get the joke. Really, yeah. The comforter is also another term for the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yeah, yeah. So in Acts chapter 9, it says they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. There's other terms like paraclete, consoler. But I'm talking about this is that this comfort of the Holy Spirit is not just a warm, fuzzy um blanket right it's not meant to be like this linus pacifier this is a spirit of power and love and self-control so the spirit's going to give us comfort and consolation to be sure but at at the the heart really is what we call encouragement the emphasis on courage so we're clothed in this armor to be courageous in this world it's like the superman cape right and now you think about this like when we were baptized right what happens after we were baptized we were clothed in a white garment, which was a symbol of our purity, being clothed, you know, covered in the life and grace of, of Christ. So, so Christ comes to give us this new life, this new cape, this new power to do what he does, which is to love. So the Messiah comes to anoint us. We're anointed at our baptism, and he clothes us in these gifts. So we're, you know, we're not only baptized in, you know, in terms of with the water, but we're also anointed with this sacred chrism there, That's which right. is going to be confirmed at confirmation by the bishop. So the bishop is also involved too. And so then we are all anointed ones. We are all ones like the Messiah, which is the same word for Christ and Messiah. We are Christians. We are in him now. We are clothed 
in his grace. And we are Saint uh, we are here in St. Louis. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from that St. Louis place. Uh, we are here with Sean Mueller and we're talking about spiritual gifts, KFCW Puff. <laughs> yeah. So I um, again I'll be going to those in a second, but so this is an important little side note here. Um, when we're thinking about you know, Christianity and baptism and, and whatnot. Now go back to the baptism of Jesus there. That's really the first time we see this, um, I guess, image of the Trinity. You got the voice of the Father, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. You got the physical presence of the Son. You got the descent of, of the Holy Spirit. So we're baptized in the Holy Trinity. Every time we make the sign of the cross, we're calling to mind our baptism. We're calling to mind the Trinity. So Little side note here, when you think about this, you know, it says God is love. You know, fathers, it takes three to love, so to speak. The lover, the beloved, and the love they share. So there's this great text in the Catechism, number 221. It says, God has revealed his innermost secret that he is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Spirit. And he's destined us to share in that exchange. So that really the ultimate end of our own lives is to enter into this perfect unity, which is the Trinity. Now, I love this image there, too. Dr. Peter Crape had said it. He goes, a way to look at the Father is God the Father, God outside of us, God the Son, God beside us, God the Spirit, God inside of us. So it kind of represents God the Father, creation, God the Son, redemption, God the Holy Spirit, sanctification. So outside, beside, inside, God's love goes from outside of us to, to inside of us. That's really the progression of love in a marriage, too, right? There she is, there we date, there we love, and there our love is so real that nine months later we might have to give it a name. A name. So it's form inform, transform. So what the Spirit does is to transform us. So like Paul uses the term about do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So the word is like metamorphosis. So you think about like a caterpillar, cocoon, butterfly. That is our process on earth. This is the desert of the world is the cocoon. So like we are these, you know, ground crawling bugs through God's grace in the church, in this cocoon, in this wilderness, we're being transformed and God willing you know, we're being kind of conformed, transformed into a, a butterfly. But the, the, the gift of, of, of this is, is that we have got new powers, new tools. I mean, a butterfly can fly. A, a, a caterpillar can't. So you think about this. As fire transforms into itself everything it touches, so the spirit transforms into the divine life, whatever is subjected to its power. I mean, that's a catechism line. So you say, what is my goal? My goal is to allow the Spirit to transform me into being this something into something else. And so that's why we pray, come Holy Spirit, make me this new creation, kindle in me the fire of, of your love. And so this is, what, this is what the Spirit does. It transforms. So it's no wonder that one of the fitting images of the Spirit is fire. Mm -hmm. What is fire to? Sure. It, 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 it transforms. It's also, you know, water. We're, we're called the drink of the Spirit. But, but Paul lays it out there. He says, what is the Holy Spirit? It's the love of God poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Okay, so this is, this is what the Spirit is. This is this animating principle of charity, you know, so that when I am in the Spirit, in his fire, in his water, in his transformation, I am now operating with a new power tool that I couldn't do on my own. So the Lord says, love one another. You know, like I said before, Dad says, love, love, love. Okay, I cannot love enemies and give and animate and do supernatural things without God's own power in doing it and in, 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 in helping me to do it. So I always love this image like, uh, have you ever heard of the legend of the sand dollar by chance? 
Vaguely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at what a sand dollar is, it's got a lot of symbols to it, but it's got these five, you know, like um, holes in it, which kind of, long story short, it's meant to kind of represent the five wounds. When you, when you break the, the um, sand dollar open, you have these little uh, images formed from the pieces of whatever kind of fish this was, and they look like doves. And really, the the great symbolism behind it is that when Christ is pierced on the cross, you know, outflows from his side blood and water, which has always been symbolized for the baptism and the Eucharist. But you think about his what what he said he was going to give. It's I'm going to give you my spirit. These this gift and these gifts. So he says, it is better that I go because I don't want my love to be outside of you or just beside you. I want it to be inside you so that we don't just, you know, imitate Jesus. We're actually participating in Jesus. So I am living a life in the spirit. I am now in him. So that's kind of a little side note there about this progression of the Trinity. God creates, he forms, Christ comes in form, but his spirit transformed so that how do I get transformed I clothe myself with Christ and I allow these gifts to be operative and so I learn about them I grow in them but I ultimately you know have to kind of pray and say come Holy Spirit you know and and, and I ask so so kind of going back to this divine clothing this armor of, of God you, you think about this who was anointed in the Old Testament you know there was certain groups Kings, of people prophets and um, Kings, prophets, and uh, kings, prophets, and <laughs> priests, priests. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> of course, the easy one, <laughs> right? So, really, we're taught today that when we are baptized and confirmed, we are actually priests, prophets. You think about well, what does what does a priest do? He makes sacrifice. Okay, he provides intercession. Yeah, and then what does a prophet do? Well, what did prophets do in the Old Testament? They bring the word of God. Yeah, and then what do kings do? Ultimately, their goal is to serve their people right you know so think about this so then we sacrifice in various ways uh we we also preach and teach in, in various ways we're witnessing every day we're a walking billboard whether we like it or not right for and then and bad. then we're, we're we're serving you know which is what we typically label as in the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy i mean but every day we're serving in some way shape or form family life you know our work life but then so then we're anointed there so go back again to christ's baptism and you think about this characteristics of who the son of man is you go back to isaiah 11 it says there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots and the spirit of the lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and fear of the lord so again these are what descended upon the lord these are what carried Jesus into doing battle when he went into the desert to face his trial. This is what is meant to mark the life of an anointed one, all of us, in whatever our state of life is. So I love it when you think about the whole history of understanding these gifts and, and the writings. I've got this great writing from um, St. Cyril of Jerusalem who wrote in, in around 350 A.D., he really compares getting confirmed like this is a, a, a sacred ointment, you know, akin to what the Holy Spirit does in the Eucharist. He transforms this oil into this living gift of the Spirit, kind of like the Spirit transfers this bread and wine into the living presence of Jesus. But he says this, he says, 
Just as Christ, after his baptism and the coming upon him of the Holy Spirit, went forth and defeated the adversary, so also with you, after holy baptism and the mystical chrism, having put on the Holy Spirit, you are to withstand the power of the adversary and defeat him, saying, I am able to do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I mean, that's what literally what confirmation means. It means to strengthen, you know, with firmness, to strengthen one, to kind of fight the fight. So again, what are these gifts? And so then we're battling world of flesh and the devil, and we've got these gifts, not just sacramental grace, but the bishop prays for us to all those who've been confirmed. I mean, again, you're given the spirit of baptism, but this is strengthened and confirmed in the sacrament of confirmation. And then we talk about that just as the Lord had these gifts to do his mission, so we too have these gifts. So here we go. KFCW Puff. So knowledge, fortitude, counsel, wisdom, piety, understanding, and fear of the Lord. And I think fear of the Lord is one of the most probably misunderstood, but this holy fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. a reverential fear. So we'll, we'll speak about each of these. But, but bottom line, these are um, dispositions. Our, our soul is in, in a state of, of, a, of a dispositions which make man docile to, to receive the promptings of, of these gifts of the Spirit. So like these seven gifts, it says, they belong in their fullness to Christ, the Son of David, they complete and perfect the virtues of those who receive them. They make the faithful docile in readily obeying divine inspiration. So it's almost like I've got these gifts that if I'm sensitive to their workings, that I can you know, respond to what the Spirit is doing in this place, in this time, in this conversation, to follow these things. So really what separates them from charisms of the Spirit, which we'll speak about at some later time, is that these are kind of called sanctifying gifts. They're what are meant to make you and I holy in our state and life. So they're given to each one of us to form in us, you know, what we lost in sin to be in the image and likeness of God. We're still in God's image, but we're kind of like out of his likeness. So these kind of form us to grow and conform ourselves more into the likeness of, of, of Christ and then to uh, respond to live a life in, in his spirit. So again, I'm not just imitating Christ, but I'm actually participating in this life. So at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I, I honestly, growing up, we, we always thought that uh, kind of religion was was kind of boring. I mean, bottom line, our experience at church, the, the priests weren't always very motivated. You kind of felt like it was older ladies there. And, you know, that this is something you do to kind of prepare for death. You know, like, okay, I got to get my life straight. And please let it come quickly, huh? <laughs> I mean, but it's like, you know, I, I can honestly say that really when, when I had a, a, a deepened conversion experience, then... Life was never really boring uh, because you sense that you were living a life in in the spirit. Now, can you imagine being a, a super friend, so to speak, and you have powers and gifts and you're meant to take them into the world? What an adventure life that is, because you are now doing battle with the forces of, of, of evil and you're you're helping so many people, you're helping to save people, protect people, guard people, love people, so that if you kind of put this in terms of like saints as super friends, that we're all kind of in that mode, living this life in the spirit and allowing him to kind of work in me and through me. And that is really an exciting life because every day, no matter what my state in life is, whether I'm fighting the front lines or I'm just kind of living my own little home life here, trying to be a good wife, good husband, whatever, that God is working through me. That's right. And that's an adventure. 
It is an adventure. And if you want to continue this adventure, remember you can write us, call us actually at any time, and we'll give you a copy of this program or any other. Let me give you the number real quickly before the music cuts us off. 636-447-6000. 636-447-6000. Call us. But for right now, call a friend and tell him to join us. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, welcome back. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I am your host, Peter Karutz. We're here with Sean Miller, and I have a few other things to tell you about before we get right back to the spiritual gifts, sanctifying gifts even. Uh, a few things. We, As you may know, we have a um, speaker series at two churches uh, during Lent, and there's only two more dates at two more places. So it's Wednesdays. It's St. Gerard Magella, and that's after stations at 7 o'clock. Uh, and Diane Gerard will be there on the 6th. And, oh, well, we have three more. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, I'll be there on the 30th of this month. And then on the 6th and the 13th, uh, we have a few more. And then on at St. Angela Marici, great, great parish, uh, we have one on the 25th, the 1st, and the 8th. The conclusion is Matt Lagerman. I'm on the first. And then we have uh, a duo, Joanne and Carolyn. So that's a little bit unusual for us. We usually don't have two. One more thing. Think about what's going on after Easter. Divine Mercy. There's going to be a Divine Mercy conference. This is the first one. Again, it's at St. Angela Marici. It's at 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's a, it's a good day on April 23rd. So April 23rd, 8 a.m., starts with Mass, and then it goes till 3.30. There's one, two, three, four, five speakers, two priests, a deacon. Uh, it's good. So if you would like to reserve a seat, please do so. Cost is $20. Uh, 
the phone number is 636-447-6000, which sounds very familiar. If you would like a copy of Sean Miller's previous talks, you can call that number as well. What did, what did you do? We did the uh, seven deadly sins, the seven lively virtues, and I think we might have made it a two-part on the virtues. Yeah. So again, that number is 636-447-6000. Uh, call. We'll be happy to send you a copy of it. And don't forget, tell friends about this program too. Huh? <clears throat> so we're, we're right touching the surface of the spiritual gift. Yeah, like what, what I was saying is that this is going to be a two-part talk, but uh, we're not going to get much into detail at present into what the individual gifts each do, you know, knowledge, counsel, fortitude, etc. But um, I want to kind of want to set the stage in terms of that we have these gifts yeah. and we're up against certain things to do the fight because we're in the season of, of Lent and we're preparing to renew our baptismal promises and kind of live this out. <clears throat> so um, we'll see how much we get to. But in terms of the three things we're up against, you know, the, the flesh, the world, and the devil, I use the KFC. That's kind of a symbol for, you know, chicken, that we're all kind of scared. We're falling uh, fearful. We're lacking courage. We're inclined to self-interest, self-preservation. So there's a part of us that is kind of like this yellow popcorn kernel closed in, hardened, indifferent. You know, that's just worried about me. Then you got the world, the spirit of the world. I mean, the world in itself is good, but there's a spirit of the world that is the worldly values, you know, that really are in opposition to God. And then you've got Puff, P-U-F. I mean, we, th- we think about the term Puff, you know, it's not Puff the Magic Dragon. I'm no. thinking about the big bad wolf that I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down. What's your house? It's, it's your temple of the spirit. It's your house of grace. I mean, Satan's always trying to knock down the church, but it's individually the members of it. So... KFC, the flesh, W, the world, puff, the devil. So another way of looking at this is, is lust, lures, and lies. So you think about just 1 John 2.16, he speaks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, this old nature that we have, and it's deceitful lust. You think about the lures uh, in the parable of, of the sower, and when he says the seed sown among thorns, is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word and it bears no fruit. And then you've got the lies, right? Jesus says in John 8, you're, he is, Satan is the father of lies. He has nothing to do with the truth. All these things in kind of common parlance could be you know, the same old sex, money, and power. They are still the three competing gods of the world. So just briefly talking about fallen flesh, you know, we're going to go through each of these, just the flesh, the world, and the devil. Fallen flesh, um, we all know that as a product of original sin, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. We're both, we're all split. Romans 7, Paul says, I don't understand myself. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do want to do, I don't. And so we're kind of like this Jekyll and Hyde. We're like the Hulk. We're kind of going back and forth. We're broken. I mean, a great way of looking at um kind of who we are as a broken people is the characters in the wizard of oz right oh yeah you got the scarecrow the tin man the lion man and dorothy scarecrow his intellect's darkened he's looking for a brain tin man his will is weakened he's his emotions are messed up he's looking for a heart lion man he's lost his nerve he's looking for courage and dorothy she's lost her way she's looking for home so all of us are in that mode in some way shape or form in each of those characters and then kind of going from the fallen flesh to the fallen world you think about the last closing scenes of the Wizard of, of, of Oz, you know, what do they see? The man behind the curtain. It's all a farce. That really represents the world and these weapons of mass distraction. You know, this kind of social media that influences us to say, unless you've got this perfume or unless you're on this chat or unless you've got this whatever, 
that somehow that you're you're lacking it. And really, the world can pull us to have anxieties that are just that just choke out the life of grace. That Unless we have. you say say this and think that, you know, it's it's uh, it goes even beyond the the physical or the material, but into yeah. the metaphysical and the spiritual. Yeah, I mean, if you think about this, like, and this is for every one of us, they're, they're talking about the level of screen time we have each day. You're in front of a screen in some way, shape, or form that's saying that you're lacking in this and that area, and only if you do this and buy this. I mean, think about every commercial. I think they said that by the time you're 70 years old, you've watched like three or four uninterrupted years of commercials alone. That's probably increased by then. So just every commercial, its purpose is to do what? To get you to buy something. I mean, you know. And then you think about if you're spending seven to eight hours up front of screen time that's giving you a message that's basically caused to make you want to buy something, talk about a seduction, you know? And it's like, don't we really realize that? Just do an examination of conscience say, how much time am I saying, uh, am I spending myself in front of something that is trying to tell me that I'm lacking in who I am as a child of, of, of God? So the fallen world is really very seductive seductive and um you know there's a lot of text in scripture that says do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with god is that if you're involved in the spirit of the world it's going to go against um all that is good true and beautiful in the lord not saying that all media is bad by any stretch i mean we're using media right we're, now. we're on it not we yeah. hey by the way check us out on you on roku roku i mean we're good there too Right, but it goes back that, am I being formed, like I always like to say, am I being trained in the instincts of the King of Kings or of King Kong? Am I following the appetites of a monk or a monkey? You know, is this the planet of the apes or the kingdom of, of God? And is my instincts following that? And again, this takes us into, speaking of monkeys, I mean, like in The Wizard of Oz, you had these flying monkeys that were, uh, you know, in league with the Wicked Witch. And they try to take them off the path and destroy them, right? You know, it says in 1 Peter 5, the devil prowls around like a lion seeking someone to devour. So so these scriptures, again, I said in Ephesians 6, we're up against fallen angels in this darkness. And we're around these spirits now, too. So, like, again, we're in a battlefield. But going back to the Wizard of Oz, what destroyed the witch? Water. Water. Yeah. Which, as you think about spiritually speaking, that would be baptism, really, that when we're baptized, the effects of original sin, now we're in a new line of, in the new Adam, we're in a new way of living. we got a new power of love. No longer does the darkness have its control over us unless we let it. We're actually more tempted to do good by this gift of the grace of baptism, even though we have this pull to be bad. So baptism is there starting it. But I love th- this analogy. When we were kids, you know, I mean, the, the snack of choice was always popcorn, right? So we'd have this. Do you ever see those stir crazy popcorn bowls that kind of look, look like this here? I got oh, yeah, sure, sure. You know, this it's kind of a cool little popcorn bowl. So we, we got that thing out every night. But I love the image when you think about popcorn, the kernel, right? Again, I said before, in the flesh, we're kind of closed in, yellow, hardened. This is kind of a symbol of the soul. What makes the kernel pop? Well, you put it in this bowl, and then through the heat and the oil, oil it yeah. it becomes something new. And so that's really a symbol of, of us that are closed in, is that through the fire and the oil of the Spirit, in this bowl, which we call the church, that we're going to be transformed. So you look at the church, again, going back to Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. You know, Scott Hahn's book, Rome Sweet Home, I mean, there is no place like Rome. 
in this church, that's kind of the, the headquarters of this universal church. And this is where we get these gifts, sacraments, the spiritual life, powers to be something more that I can't do on my own. Because again, we're all wretches, but through this saving grace, I've got the, the ability for the Spirit to work in me. So I'm, I'm looking for something that is like helping me to be more than what I can be on my own. So this is where the Spirit comes in. And we said that when we get these graces, we become docile to obeying divine inspirations. And really, that's what a life in the Spirit is. Conforming our will to God's will. Yeah, because it's like, you know, we were kind of raised in, well, life is just about thou shalt not. You know, <laughs> like my dad said, if dad, if, if you're listening there, like he says, all right, if everybody would just keep the commandments, you know, th- just do the commandments. Yeah, that's a great start. You know, but a life of thou shalt not isn't what you'd call maybe an exciting life. Like, what can't I do? Like, I, we always hated mom would take us to go. We went to Branson or whatever, and she she was always involved in in crafts and all those kind of things. And I had two older brothers. So when you walk in, you'd get the lecture. All right, don't touch. You know, because why? If you touch it, you got to pay for it. So we couldn't touch any of these little trinkets or whatnot. Now, okay, so it was cool to be in the store, but like if you can't touch anything or all these thou shalt nots, it really wasn't like, I don't really want to go in that place. So like what I'm trying to say is, is that life in the spirit is more than thou shalt not. That's the stage one, but it's a thou shalt. And so what do I mean? It means that if I'm living a life in the spirit, I'm actually trying to respond to inspirations and promptings to, to exercise these gifts, these virtues. So, like, this is from the Diary of St. Faustina, which is really a great line to try and get across what I'm trying to say here. She said, My Jesus, it is truly easy to become holy. It just takes a little goodwill. And if he finds this minimum of, of goodwill in a soul, he quickly gives himself to her. And nothing can stop him, neither our faults nor our falls, absolutely nothing. Jesus hurries to help that soul. And if the soul is faithful to this grace from God, she can in a short time reach that highest level of holiness that a created being can attain here below. God is very generous and does not refuse his grace to anyone. He gives even more than we ask for. And here's here's the key point. The shortest road to I'm sorry, the shortest road is faithfulness to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, if we want to be a a, a a true lover, one in Christ, then it's trying to be responsive to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit and follow those promptings. And that really makes life an adventure and not just like, okay, what can't I do today? Mm-hmm. What do I have to avoid so as not to fall in sin or go to hell? How do I then respond in charity? So that's where you like the gifts of knowledge and, and, and counsel and, and courage and piety and wisdom and understanding come in is that how do I apply grace in this situation? So again, these are like uh, these gifts of the Holy Spirit, they've been defined as like seven forms of supernatural initiative, almost like this supernatural reflex. You know how it is if you're on the doctor's table and he hits you in the in the right below the knee there, your yeah, leg goes boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the, what, the, what the term he hits with, but it's hammer. like this. Hammer. <laughs> hits you with a little rubber hammer. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, one of my favorite cartoon characters growing up and, and whatever was Spider-Man. And you think about the, the Spidey sense. Yeah. So it's like it's a it's a reactive instinct to know how to handle a particular situation. You know, think about Spider-Man, right? Uh, he was shy, fearful, kind of a nerdy kid, awkward. He's bit by the spider. That's really a real gift of what uh, or understanding of what confirmation is, is that we've got this kind of this supernatural bite to make us more aware of 
the surroundings and then to respond in kind. So at the heart of any superhero in the heart of all of us is really um, courage, which again is one of the things I want to speak about in terms of, of, of a gift of the spirit. Uh, going back to St. Cyril, he said that with the Holy Spirit within us, it's quite natural for people who had been absorbed by the things of this world to become entirely otherworldly in outlook and for cowards to become people of great courage. Yeah. So what for did, all of us... What did Chesterton say? Chesterton said the only reason to call someone a coward is because you really believe he can be a hero. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, so I think, like, how do I overcome if I'm in this shy, fearful, awkward state? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, it's a, we're all works in progress, but it's like at the end of the day, it's the spirit that gives me courage, that gives me life, that gives me energy, that gives me joy. So, again, this is, this is what um, strengthening is and all, all about. And really a, a great movie for that, if you've seen it, is Lord of the Rings. Um, there's this scene where they're discerning about who's going to take the ring into Mordor and have it destroyed, you know, so they're all fighting and debating and there's chaos and division. And then there's like this temptation of like, you can see the, the dark side just kind of, you know, really causing all this chaos. And then Frodo steps up. He says, I will take it. I will take the ring to Mordor. And then Gandalf is there who says, and I will help you bear this burden. And there's seven characters who step forward to kind of go along with him to bring this ring, which really um, I've learned later on, the ring was a symbol of original sin. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So like um, in, in the spiritual sense of it. So they're going to carry this, this ring and have it destroyed. And that will break the bond of darkness over the land. So Frodo, the, the small guy in the room has great courage and he's going to carry this, this, this ring, you know? So that's a, it's a beautiful thing to think about that in terms of, of, of the Holy Spirit is that like, not only do I have to have myself stepping forward, but that I've got these other helpers with me. So That's rather, right. Yeah. That's right. And this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Krutz. This is Sean Miller, and we are talking about spiritual gifts, sanctifying gifts. And he's always given us a memory aid, something that we can take away and remember KFCW Puff, <laughs> even I can remember that. <laughs> right. So I know by counting the letters, there are seven of those right. classic spiritual gifts, and I have a great way to remember them. Knowledge, fortitude, counsel, wisdom, piety, understanding, fear of the Lord. So, you know, probably in, in our time that we have here, let's just get in, into the one that we've been speaking about, which is fortitude. You know, like um, it takes massive courage to live a spiritual life today. And just in, in every area, I mean, like I was just uh, listening to a talk by Jason Everett on chastity. You know, he says we all want to – want to basically want to be a knight, you know, as men, but we don't want to bleed like one. And to be a chaste person, to fight the onslaught of filth coming at us, it takes some serious courage. So one of the gifts of the Spirit is is fortitude. And I've got a whole list of, like, these are kind of like man shows. Uh, you think about Movies these, again? Movies again. Right. You know, from... From the Passion to Amazing Grace to Braveheart, Count of Monte Cristo, Fireproof, Gladiator. These are like guys. Unbroken. <laughs> right. Grand Tur you know, These are guys who are like, uh, you know, really trying to stand up to do the right thing in the midst of struggle. Man for all seasons. You can mm, do a yeah, Rocky, yeah. a Rudy, you know, Ben-Hur, Warrior, Remember the Titans. I just, There's a lot of go good shows out there that really kind of help encourage us into fortitude and, and courage, but really it's also just meant to be perseverance in the midst of the trials. Like a lot of us guys say, yeah, you know, if, if it came down to it, I would, 
I would, you know, smother the hand grenade. I would fall on it. You know, it's like, well, okay, that's nice in a moment, but day in, day out, are you persevering as a person of courage? Are you helping one another bear their burdens and so forth? So, I mean, just think about all the people who inspire you to be a courageous person. And it's good to be around people who are that way. I think that's a key. I, I, I don't want that to slip by. Part of who you are is who you hang with. And if, um, you know, we men tend to maybe not do such great things when we're hanging with other men. But if you find good men to be with, you're going to be more like them. Yeah. And again, I think uh, we always hear about these, you know, groups or like the band of brothers folks that bond in, in war, some of those relationships are the strongest because you're truly relying on one another to, uh, you know, have your back and, and to fight together, you know, and, and that's really what, what it is in the church. Right now we're, we're following or we're, we're kind of in a period of um, a lot of isolation and loneliness. We don't really have people uniting together in a common purpose. I love the fact, I mean, we're here speaking the day after Pope Francis um, consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart, especially Russia and Ukraine. And and I just love the fact that, you know, we have this unitive principle of people standing together to spiritually fight this war, which is more than just weapons or the Russians or whatever, that there is a spiritual battle going on. And it's not just for them, but it's for all of us individually in the church. So that band of brothers, the band of faith, this universal church, the entire universal church all over the world got together to really pray. It's kind of like I thought of the image of... Um, at the Battle of Jericho, before they took the city, they just marched around it seven times. And then, boom, walls fell without any, you know, body having to go in right away, you know. And then the battle ensued after that. But it's like, this is kind of what we need to be doing as a community, and this is what courage is. It's, it's fortitude to pray, to work, to persevere. So another gift, and maybe we'll probably end, end on this one today, is this gift of, of holy fear which is also known as, as reverence or wonder and, and all. I always like the term uh, holy fear because, uh, you know, when I think about, like, one of the symbols, if you're in a, a thunderstorm and you're in, you're in the house and that baby cracks, the lightning, you know, it kind of shakes you to your bones. And that, and that always makes me think about, like, at the end of the day, we think we're in control of this world and whatnot, but when you hear a, this lightning strike, you realize that we're in something massively greater <laughs> that God's in control of, of, of this land. But I always use the gift of, of holy fear in terms of like this tornado or this lightning. It's this, it's this power that says that I need to always remember my place in this universe and that God is God and I am not. And that ultimately holy fear is saying that I would never want to do anything that would displease or disappoint who God is because God could strike me out of existence in a second. And to think that I can say I am Lord of my life and that I can do what I want when I want, I'm my own God. This is idolatry in its, in its worst form to think that I make my own rules. So really the gift of Holy fear is saying, I recognize the majesty, the glory, the power of God. And then I recognize my own place that Lord, I never want to do anything to offend you. Just like hopefully a child isn't going to say, I can't break this rule because it's one of the parents' commandments, but it's like, I don't want to hurt mom or dad. Right. And and remember, we are in a familial relationship with the father, and, and we have children, and we know that some of the worst things that uh, some um, difficult feelings a child can have is if they did disappoint. Mm -hmm. It's not out of fear, per se. What it is is out of love. 
They know that ch- our children know how much they love them. And when they disappoint, it, yeah. it's really hard. So th- it's not so much fear, but it's in this loving relationship right. that we don't want to disappoint. Yeah. What's that love? Uh, love, perfect love casts out all, all fear. You know, so it is, it's, it's a certain sense of that. Yeah, there is a consequence to my actions, but I, I'm not solely repentant just because of the consequence that I have disappointed the one who loves me. And then in terms of God, this is the one who brought me into being. Right. And again, it's not to have this walking around, I'm afraid God's going to zap me thing, but this love of the Father. So this great book, Pope John Paul II wrote, one of his ones called Crossing the Threshold of, of Hope. He, he said this, he said that, he said, um, among the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit indicated in the words of Isaiah, fear of God is listed last, but that does not mean it is the least significant, since it is precisely fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom. And among the gifts of the Spirit, wisdom holds first place. So he said, we need to pray that people everywhere, and especially people in our own time, receive this holy fear. From the Holy Scriptures, we also know that this fear, the origin of wisdom, has nothing in common with the fear of a slave. It is this filial fear, not servile fear, right? So God is our Father, not just this Master. And so, again, to say that I want to live my life following the promptings of His Spirit to never upset or offend Him in any way, and that knowing that I am who I am, yeah, He's given me a means. We have a whole sacrament that says that I'm not perfect and that I can come to be restored. So God willing is that if I live in this life of this wonder and awe, this holy fear, this saying, Lord, use me, work in me, then it, it's it's a beautiful life. Yeah, it really yeah. is. So um, <clears throat> just maybe to, to close on on that, um, a few movies that you might recommend. Uh, You're good term- with the movies. Well, I mean, uh, if you've never watched the one on Mother Teresa, one of the original ones, just someone who really places her life in the hands of the loving God and is willing to risk. I think about, you know, the saints man for all seasons. I like that one. That's a great uh, one. Xavier, any show on Francis of Assisi. Uh, have you ever watched the one on Don Bosco? That's, I haven't. No. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Just really putting himself in the hands of the Lord, uh, raising up kids. It's good stuff. So praising one. Well, he raised kids, all these boys. Oh, 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 St. John Bosco. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great movie. And great then, movie. And then, for us trying to raise kids, we need all these gifts. Oh, we do. We so do. Lord so I, I'm going to throw out our phone number again, 636-447-6000. Remember, you can ask for a CD of uh, any of these programs, and especially from Sean's uh, Seven Deadly Sins, Seven Lively Virtues. Remember, April 23rd, and consult uh, St. Angela Marici and St. Gerard Magella for the few Lenten speakers we have left. Well, we are about done with an hour as the music is taking us to a close. So tell a friend, come back and see us next week, please. It's Father Augustine. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ 
Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. So, Internet people, we're about to say goodbye. You can uh, find us on Roku, despite your uh, admonitions and, and warnings that the screen time is bad. Some screen time can be good. So check us out on Roku, sjen.tv, where you'll find these programs and many, many others. Call us at 636-447-6000. You can get one of Sean's uh, previous programs and uh, come back and see us next time. We'll see you. Have a Bye. great week.